Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Going for the Green Daily Roto Fantasy Golf Podcast. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew. This week, we'll be talking about the Honda Classic. We'll go ahead and give a couple minutes to the WGC Mexico recap. Spoiler alert, 100% Bryson, it did not end well for me. I, when you said you were going to go all in on one guy last week on the podcast, I think I, I felt like you were going to lock button you, Rory. You immediately said Rory, and my God, would it have been a nice week if I did? Yeah, that would have been that would have been something. The, the Bryson tout all time fail. Uh, he was a good pick regardless, but I think the fact that there were all those altitude and calculation narratives flying around, and then he flamed out so so poorly. It was such a good narrative. I was like so into the math <laughs> narrative. And then like after the horrible Thursday round, he's like out putting in the dark and on the range. And I was like, he's got this, like he's going to figure it out. And then the next day he plays even worse. While Phil who was plus eight, just like shot like a 64 after being plus eight. And I was just like tilting all over the place. Yeah. They had his like mental coach on. It's like he's oh. <laughs> cursing and, uh yeah not a great week for bryson pretty awesome performance from rory if you had hit the lock button there i'm sure you could have ran into some rory dj lineups had a couple of those on fanduel was not enough to get it done though in the no cut event couldn't put together the winning pieces in mme uh yeah they lapped the field though i mean dj minus 21 finished five strokes ahead of rory who was five strokes ahead of the next closest guy not much sunday drama uh never felt like no, it was no sunday drama yeah so, I didn't even like I watched all week and there was no reason for me to watch on Sunday just because I was like it was a foregone conclusion. Yeah. And I mean the difference was really DJ's putter. Um Rory's not not the best putter. He's probably one of the poorer ones as far as the top guys in the world. But uh Rory did lead the field in stroke scan T to green and uh Tiger also led the field in stroke scan approach. Kind of a weird uh I don't know, weird strategy, I guess, in the altitude. He felt like he didn't have to but hit driver at all, but uh, felt like he was Losing a bunch of ground there, but the iron play is definitely there for Tiger. Um, just needs to figure out. It's got to figure out the driver if he wants to win a major. In any event where Dustin Johnson is playing, you you just like even if it's not your most comfortable club, you just got to get the driver out because DJ's given the field no mercy. Like it just it, some of these tee shots on the par fours, like he just hit him over the trees. He was just hitting his driver over the trees. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I would. I mean, it, it felt like video game golf just because of the altitude. These guys were like consistently bombing it 340 plus carry. Um, and the course wasn't even set up like, you know, it's not set up for bombers per se. It was just some guys were having like a really hard time. I believe Rory was actually over par on the par fives. Really? Yeah, yeah. that's that's crazy. Um, I know, like, I think it was six was the one that was just like at like, I think he was over the course of the week. I think he was plus three on the par five sixth. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, he, I would be interested in diving in and understanding if he played them poorly to the green or if he'd like putted, just happened to putt poorly specifically on the par fives or you never know, maybe there's some, some water balls involved and whatnot. Um, but should be, should be a fun event this week. Uh, and then leading up to the Masters, we got a big promotion. We're excited to announce. If you guys were around during the NFL season, we did this uh, NFL sweat campaign where basically putting our money down into GPPs on behalf of our subscribers and really excited to do the PGA sweat up for the Masters. So what we're going to end up doing, the tournaments aren't out yet, So, but we're going to end up entering 150 max GPP on behalf of our subscribers with our CEO, Jeremy Steins. 
account plays by the username Bob Sacamano on uh, FanDuel. And if you guys aren't familiar with him, he's one of the only guys to win two separate $1 million prizes in DFS. So he'll be max entering a GPP. Half the profits go to him. Half the profits will go to our subscribers. Trying to figure out exactly how many people to get involved. But if, if we lose, which we can definitely do, MMEing, uh, we'll, we'll take 100% of the losses. So should be really fun. There's a bunch of different ways that you can get into the drawing. The, and then we'll be announcing the, the winners on our Masters podcast leading up to the event and sharing some information as far as how we're putting together the team, some big stands we're taking and whatnot. So we'll have a drawing for all subscribers. So if you are a PGA member or an elite member, you'll be entered into that drawing automatically. If you're not a member right now, you can save 10% off with the promo sweat. If you want to purchase either the monthly elite or the golf package, you can also get involved by rating and reviewing the podcast. Um, so if you want to toss us a rating on iTunes, predict the master's winner in there, leave your Twitter, Twitter handle or your daily rotor username, and we'll get you in the drawing for that as well. Or you can tweet your favorite value play each week at daily roto and use the hashtag DR sweat to get into the drawing. And we'll have a bunch of more stuff coming soon. And I think we might, what do you think? I feel like we should toss an entry for the DR listener league in our Slack channel. Um, whoever takes that down this week, I feel like we should toss them an entry, get them guaranteed into the, the master sweat promotion. There we go. There's that's how you can get a sweat on the mass. Am I eligible for this? Can I, can I get a sweat on this? No, you can, you can participate, but you, uh, I guess if you send out a tweet, you could get into the drawing, but yeah, subscribers, man. All about the people. All about the people. So there's that. We have uh, this week the Honda Classic. And you will notice when you go to load up the uh, the DK player pool, when you go to load up the projections on DailyRoto.com, the names get thin quick because this used to be kind of a, I guess, a semi-marquee event at the PGA National for the PGA Tour. But really with uh, the players being so close and the Masters coming up in about uh, two and a half months, it really got hit by the wayside with the schedule. Uh, this is a super difficult course. The cut line last year was plus six. Uh, it's a par 70, 7,100 yards, super narrow fairways, fourth narrowest on the tour, 29th in par adjusted distance, over index and strokes gained approach, a lot less emphasis on putting. This would be, uh, I think what the, the touts would call a ball strikers course, Drewby. Oh yeah, we're, we're tad in ball striking uh, like we do every week. <laughs> Lucas Glover, Tim Wilkinson, come on down. Uh, I don't know about Tim Wilkinson, but um, no, I mean... It's you don't know about the legend of Tim Wilkinson? In like 2015, he was fourth on tour in strokes gained off the tee. Yeah. How about 2019? <laughs> he's, I don't think he's on tour anymore. <laughs> I think he's playing the McKenzie tour now. Yeah, so I mean, it's, uh, it's a tight course, obviously, with the fairways. There's also water on so many of the holes on... Um, I believe it's 16 out of 18, but almost every hole you're basically hitting over some type of water. And then you have the infamous closing stretch with the bear trap definitely plays really tough add in the weakening field. And this thing's only getting tougher every year. So whenever courses get tough, um, I mean, the finish points matter a lot more from a fantasy yeah, perspective. So much more part 72. So you don't have the, or it is a part 70 also not a part 72, um, and because of that, you don't have the par fives for as many birdie and eagle opportunities. And yeah, I mean, DK scoring is going to be pretty hard to come by. Birdie streaks are going to be really hard to come by. Finish points are going to matter a lot this week. And 
it's grimy, man. It's a pretty tough field. So it's, uh, it is rough. The, my, <laughs> when I ran, when I ran the, the optimizer for the first time, these, these names, it was spitting out. I was just, <laughs> I don't know these guys, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like with the amount of golf that I've broken. watched this year. This yeah. thing's broken. What is, who's Denny McCarthy? What is Denny McCarthy doing? In yeah. Well, we don't, we don't know who that guy is. Well, it's just, it is one of those things where it, I think it's very hard to make differentiations between, you know, the 209th best golfer in the world and the 185th best golfer in the world. Cause those are the guys who are in this field. Yeah. So, um, I, from a, a fit perspective, you kind of mentioned it does over index and stroke scene approach. It's not like RBC Heritage where stroke stand approach matters and it's short and, and guys are kind of hitting to similar spots. Uh, the distance is, is still adequate, right? It's middle of the road. So you're not talking, when you adjust for par, you're not talking about a super short course. Uh, so stroke stand off the tee is still going to matter. But um, I mean, you want to be able to avoid the water. In, in general, I feel like guys who are really strong in approach are also guys who are going to be capable of finding the fairways with, you know, the three wood and their long irons and things like that. Um, so as far as the profile, I guess a, a slight lean in course fit, um, probably trying to avoid guys who are purely bombers who are spraying the ball, you know, um, like JB Holmes type of players are guys that I'd be looking to avoid a little bit. Um, but I still think you, you kind of need adequate distance uh you can't be can't be super short no it's not you're saying it's not a jim furick week <laughs> probably not a jim furick week but yeah i mean and i don't know he's cheap yeah he's he's, he's uh he's old how about our boy steve stricker captain of the Ryder cup team oh man you you hate to see it drew Maybe probably loves to see coach it. player yeah. coach steve stricker <laughs> Man, if he if he plays, that would be a that would be an all timer. I I so things that I'm looking for is guys who are good when they use less than driver. So guys who tee off with the hybrids, guys who tee off with the long irons to give themselves a little bit more accuracy and control. Uh, something like Woodland, like Woodland is fantastic off the tee when he uses his long irons instead. Those are some of the players in terms of course fit that I'm looking at this week. Yeah, looking at the Data Golf Historic Course History Index, um, you know, I like to look beyond. So I, the two tools I use are the Data Golf Course History Index and then Smart Golf Bets has that course history cheat sheet. But he only shows the field, and so you lose a little bit about the profile players, especially in this weaker field who might have done well mm -hmm. here in the past. And, and Data Golf does a better job of kind of capturing that and how the guys perform relative to an index. So Justin Rose, Tiger, Justin Thomas, Lee Westwood, Ricky Fowler, Sergio Garcia, Luke List, Adam Scott, and Luke Donald were the guys that popped up the highest in Data Golf's course history index. And I think that fits with sort of the, the um, course fit narratives or dialogues that we were talking about a little bit where um, it's, it's guys who are good ball strikers and, um, you know, still pack good distance. So it's, it's not like the the short, accurate, Furyk types that you're seeing here, these are all sort of medium to longer players who who can keep the ball in play and are good with their long irons. Yeah, and I am i don't think I'll really shy away from like the list, the Varner type of guys this week. Like I think when the cut line is so volatile and you're assuming guys are going to be in the water, they're going to be like posting big scores anyways, I, I'm still kind of fine embracing the volatility of those guys because in general, if if – what if Harold Varner runs into a week where he stays out of trouble? Harold Varner can shoot minus eight on this course and be in contention come Sunday pretty easily, I think. 
minus not, eight not contention the event, not contention. Minus, <laughs> yeah you could maybe you can shoot minus eight over the course of the event you'd probably win if you did that no the, the conditions look like um the wind might not be too high this week at least early in the week so that could make it a little bit easier than it's played historically but then you have the weaker field which is going to bring it uh the water does add variance obviously one bad swing in instead of just having to get up and down you're looking at a, a stroke penalty and yeah you're looking at a six yeah so looking at a double so i think um i mean even justin thomas finished first and third here missed two cuts sandwiched around those so you kind of basically out of all the guys only sergio garcia actually has consistent results here i do think that makes it a really interesting week to play contrarian in pga dfs because if the water balls add variance then Perhaps you can get six of six through in a week where the field goes like one to 5%. So that's something I'll be thinking about a little bit this week. Uh, I like to play contrarian most weeks, especially when there's a cut involved. And then when you add in like a hard scoring condition, um, I, I think it potential for variance. I think playing contrarian starts to make even more sense. Yeah. So starting at the top, uh, over 10K, we have Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Brooks Kepka, Adam Scott at 10.3, and Sergio Garcia. I was not expecting to see Adam Scott more expensive than Sergio. Yeah, that course history bump, I guess. And he's, um, you know, had that the good run of recent form to start yeah, the year. I agree. Very good. Yeah, surprising, though, um, for sure, especially because Sergio has done well here, too. Um, Scott thought maybe we'd see in the high nines, but I, I guess it makes sense when you think about those two things being some of the bigger weights in the betting models and in DraftKings models. Um, I mean, JT is the the clear favorite, I think, in this field. Uh, it, I, I don't think that's particularly debatable. I think the only thing that is debatable is at what ownership level is too high. And then given the lack of price in, or lack of depth in this field, if you can stomach paying almost $12,000 for him. Yeah, I mean, when you're playing JT teams, you're getting minimum one guy who who just like is like thirty percent to make the cut. That's just kind of how it goes. Like you're you're having to play Sean Stefani or Nick Watney or Adam Shank or whatever. Like that's just you just gotta have you just have to do it. I I think I will only play JT out of these guys. I think I I'm just going to set like a, when I build my lineups, I'm going to set a max one rule. And, and just make it JT. I don't really have any interest in playing Fowler for, you know, comparable money. Brooks, uh, you know, it's not a major, so he doesn't care. And I just don't think you can build good enough teams with Thomas and Scott and Garcia. And I don't, I wouldn't want Scott or Garcia to anchor my team. Like I would rather just start with Woodland probably. Yeah. And I mean, JT gained a boatload of strokes. TD Green last week, he just was atrocious with the putter. Um, and then that, yeah, sun, that Sunday round though, man, that was crazy. Um, it was also crazy. He didn't end up in some, like you didn't need him to win showdown because like DJ and Rory started ahead with those finish bonuses and they yeah. put up birdie streaks and things like that themselves. But yeah, I had, I had no DJ in like 150 showdown entries for the round four. And when he started out, just, I was, I was like, well, time to log off. <laughs> I had him in weekend golf. Yeah. which was nice, which was, which was very nice. But yeah, I, I think really, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. The guy who's leading on Sunday in round four, do you just take that guy all the time? Uh, not all the time, but I mean, if someone's four strokes ahead, like their chances. And, and it's DJ. And it's, it's not when it's not Chess and Hadley. Yeah. Charles Howell or Paul Casey. 
Yeah. Um, no, I mean, we've seen some collapses, <laughs> but I think generally you, especially in a 150 max build, like you're not fading that guy entirely. You Paul might- Casey, Paul Casey leading on a Sunday for round four showdown, easiest exclude of all time. <laughs> yeah. So JT, I think a great play. Uh, I, we talked about it a little bit, but the finish points matter a lot more. So like in mm-hmm. cash games, even though it might feel uncomfortable, I think you, you kind of want to pay up for somebody like him. Um, Brooks played really well Tita Green last week and also putted poorly. Uh, might have a little bit more interest in him than you. I think it's pretty close with Fowler, but I could see Kepka going like 10% ownership. Wouldn't really surprise me uh, because of... Oh, all- definitely. I think he will be the lowest owned of the guys over 10K. Yeah, so I, like, I don't know at what ownership level I start to fade JT, but I do think that Kepka is the lowest owned guy has contrarian appeal in tournaments, and then um, also have a little bit more interest in Sergio maybe than you do. It'll partly come down to feel and ownership, but um, his last two events in the U.S. at the Genesis Open in WGC Mexico, averaging almost a shot and a half gained on approach per round. And so he's hitting the ball as well on approach as Justin Thomas is, and he does have a good track record here. He does have a consistent track record here. So I think um, Sergio's price above 10K is pretty nice. I'll kind of be looking at those three guys across my tournament entries. I think I would. I think I'm just gonna go two weeks in a row, super mega overweight on Woodland. 100% Woodland last week was was not bad. He like he did fine. Yeah, just just yeah, had 100% Bryson to go with him. So well, yeah. I mean, we don't need to talk about that anymore. The the Bryson experiment is over. But like it, Woodland again just rates out as as just like the strong like one of the strongest values in the field and his price tag is low enough that you can create a bunch of different kind of rosters off of him if you decide to go super mega overweight on Woodland. Yeah, he's been in this weird spot too where I feel like he's not getting touted, but then everyone just like smashes him into all their lineups. So I've got him projected at 20% ownership. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if he hit 30% um, and some of that coming off of Scott and Garcia. I think early in the week, like a lot of the content is talking about similar themes. So when you talk about course history here, you're going to talk about Scott and Garcia. It's going to kind of boost him a little bit, but I think when it actually comes down to building lineups more people are using projection models and, and things like that and woodland is gonna pop in all of those he is an extremely good play um i i do worry that builds that start like gt woodland or one of these other guys in woodland could end up being pretty heavily duplicated and you just end up with like a, a 4v4 versus like ten thousand other people um but from a smaller field perspective I, I do think woodland pops as the best value and it's not really close i'm kind of okay with the idea of like locking in two of those guys or making a rule where it's like you lock woodland and then you say play at least one of garcia scott kepka fowler thomas and then you set the the ownership parameters to like max 15 percent on everyone else and put the shuffle up and like you just, I, I, I don't hate that as an idea. You probably hate that. You probably think that that's very anti-data, very anti-science. But I kind of think you could end up on some very good rosters that way. No, I mean, the the best MME week I had last year, I, I more or less locked DJ. I think I had him 90% owned at RBC Canadian. And I uploaded the wrong CSV and, and won with that. So who knows? I would have printed so much money with the right CSV. No. Wow, I think that's imagine. not terrible. I don't think that's terrible. Um, it's just going to be potentially the the chalky way to go but 
I don't know, like it does feel easier to like put $750 worth of different JT lineups with like 150 lineups than it does to like narrow down on the one perfect JT lineup, for example. So um, that's right. one of the things I'm trying to think about is what contests to play. The contest offerings don't look great, but maybe some secondary MME stuff will open up. Uh, I really like Webb Simpson and I like him significantly more than the guys who are priced next to him. Like I, I would be very comfortable being overweight on Webb and then being under on Cam, under on Berger, under on Horschel, under on Norin and Ann. List is the guy. List and Webb are the other 9K guys that I'm pretty into. Yeah, I, I mean, this this range in general between like Woodland and Webb, I mean, those are the the sort of medium to longer length ball strikers that we're talking about who can potentially do well here. Um, I, I like Cam Smith a little bit more than our projections do. Um, I don't, I always tend with younger players to give like a little bit of a bias towards recent form and thinking there's some natural aging curve that the data golf model captures, but doesn't necessarily capture to the full extent. And um, Cam Smith is definitely somebody who is really strong on approach and his he's a ball game. striker for sure. He's not. Yeah. He's, he's like shorter. So he's, he loses strokes off the tee fairly consistently, but, but I don't he gains think them around the green. Right. Yeah. And, and on approach. And I don't think he's like losing strokes off the tee cause he's going to hit six balls into the water. It's, it's more, no, just he's losing them cause he hits it two seventy. Yeah, so I like him a little bit more than the projections do. I don't love him, but he's at least someone that I'll be kind of boosting in my runs a, a little bit. Um, and then, so, I mean, some of the the volatility of these guys is really high, right? They're priced up in this field because of how weak it is, but they're very volatile players. And so if I, I have interest in Luke List, but if he's chalk and he's popular... I mean, I can guarantee you he will be popular. I can just... It, because as the, as the GBP sizes get smaller... And the the offerings are not as interesting to like sort of casual PGA DFS players. The percentage of entries that are coming from people who really like golf DFS are going to increase, and people who really like golf DFS really like Luke List. Yeah. So I like if he's twenty percent owned, I think it's a pretty good fade in this range. Uh, you got to get a lot out of a nine K golfer in order for them to pay off the price tag and the what you have to get out of them, like a top twenty for sure, possibly even something a little bit better than that. Um, definitely more likely to not do that than he is to do that. And so if the ownership is there, um, maybe that's a fade for me. Maybe pivoting to someone like Alex Noren at lower ownership would be um, where where I would go. So Not, not playing end. Benny Ann on a course full of water? <laughs> uh, I, I think he had popped in Data Golf's course history index a little bit, um, but maybe I, I might be misremembering that. Um, but... I don't think all, I don't know. He's, he's kind of in consideration in this range. I would say that Woodland's the obvious play. Woodland's definitely the best play. The other guys start to to come in as contrarian plays or as part of balanced lineups. And um, that's part of the, the macro roster construction decision that people are going to have to make this week is do I grab JT and a bunch of scrubs or do I grab a couple of these solid players who clearly aren't as likely to win as JT? Do you think that there will be a pretty significant ownership discount on Webb from Woodland? Uh, I th I think so. Um, I mean, the, the the first ownership projections do not have it that way, but the yeah. first run is always, you know. Yeah, I'll yeah, I gotta check back in Wednesday Wednesday afternoon is when I'm feeling pretty good about them. Um, I don't remember how the prices shook out, but I think 
I think Woodland was like 30% owned last week and Webb was like 15 to 20. And I think that same type of discrepancy, like Woodland 25 to 30 and Webb maybe close to 20, that wouldn't surprise me. So the 8K guys, we have uh, some DFS favorites in Griot and Lucas Glover, but the guy who instantly seemed appealing to me, who's never appealing to me, is Zach Johnson at 8,700. Yeah, what, what a, just the, the short, accurate thing. Yeah, just th- thinking he'll keep it in the fairway. He's pretty unlikely to find himself uh, you know, taking a bunch of penalties. And I think that he's pretty comfortable clubbing down and can grind out a bunch of pars, basically. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Th- this range, um, the top end between Grillo Glover, Zach Johnson, they, they're pretty comparable in our projections. Um, and I think that's where you kind of want to, to take the, the ownership play, even as a single entry. Um, ZJ's season hasn't, it's not up to like a a roaring start or anything, but he has been very consistent on approach. Um, and I think you're kind of right with the course fit. I I mean, I just trust the ZJ to make the cut more than Lucas Glover. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's just the thing is, is like, if you had to, if Zach Johnson's probably going to make the cut here and I could like Lucas Glover could just have a a plus 14 and just be home. Yeah, he gained like a billion strokes putting at the AT&T Pebble Beach too in, in the two measured rounds that they had there. Uh, I think Grillo is the, the other guy that is going to pop in anything that is oriented around strokes gain, tee to green, and he's been pretty solid and consistent off the tee and on approach this year. His, his putting has been straight up dreadful. It hasn't really shown any signs of, of improving. Who knows if the switch to the East Coast is the cure for that. Um it seems like he's going to be popular, so that would pull me back a little bit. I think the signs are there that he's definitely playing better than his results have indicated, but if all the ownership is still going to flood there, then it, it's not like he's uh, such an extreme value that I feel compelled to, to have to chase it. Yeah. Uh, some of these guys look like pretty strong fades to me as well. Like I, I don't know if I'll play anyone between Zach Johnson and and Scott Piercy. Like, I'm not playing Matt Wallace. I'm not playing JT Poston or Charles. They, these prices are just so bizarre. And and we got to talk about the, the mega chalk bomb, Michael Thompson. He, he will be by far the highest owned guy below $9,000. Is, is that a tour junkies reference, the, the mega chalk bomb? Oh, no. No, I wasn't, <laughs> ma- I wasn't trying to make that reference. I just, I just know Michael Thompson is going to be 25%. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's going to be, right? Like, if you pull up strokes gained trends, his strokes gained on approach since the Desert Classic, and he he's more or less gaining six strokes every event, one and a half plus strokes on a round level. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's going to draw a ton of people in. I'm assuming um, he was touted pretty heavily on Mayo's show just because he, he has to pop in any of the – fantasy golf yeah but mayo it's kind of interesting mayo is not doing a DraftKings show this week he just did the the betting show so i'm kind of interested to see how that influences ownership and things like that i I wonder if there will be any measurable impact of that yeah yeah this would be it's um i i think his so take ownership out of the equation i actually think he is in play um, such a good play because 
you know, even data golf doesn't weight the individual strokes gain stuff too heavily. There's still a lot of it's focused on long-term adjusted scoring average and data golf isn't going to weight course history either. Um, but he still pops as a pretty good value in our model. And, and he fits really nicely. If you want to build through JT, the perfect spot to, to grab your next player is at 8k. And so you're going to, you're going to get that as well. Um, and then previous winner uh, at the event. So, like all of that stuff is is going to funnel. Ownership. I would I would play him in cash if I was playing cash this week, which I am not. Yeah, I think like we have Scott Piercy rated as a slightly better play, uh, which I'm, I'm not really going to argue too heavily one way or the other. But when you throw like twenty to twenty five percent ownership on top of that, and the lack of appeal of the other names in this range, it starts to become something where I think you either need to to fade, or if you're playing MME and you want some exposure, you need to, uh, like the, the JT Michael Thompson builds are going to be extremely popular ones along I mean, with I, Woodland play. I mean, I'll just say right now, I, I just won't be playing Michael Thompson. I will be embracing the variance of this golf course and rooting for all of his balls to go in the water on Thursday. <laughs> it is fun. It is always fun to, to take a, a stand against these guys. I just, I just cannot imagine a scenario where, you know, what is Michael Thompson in the official world golf rankings? 120th, maybe, you know, like I just, how can a guy be a 25% owned play if he's not one of the best 100 golfers in the world? You know, I'm just yeah. not playing that guy. Yeah. So if, if you're going to pivot off him, uh, the, the guys in the range right below, I mean, there's still not, yeah, there's some gonna... really, I think there's some really strong plays right below him. So like Knox and CT Pan, you're still going to take on some ownership, but it's going to be about half as much. So um, I, I think in a vacuum, those guys are probably better tournament plays. How about your boy? How are you not touting Joel Damon right now? <laughs> he he rates out pretty well. Um, yeah, I, he's a I very good value. I, I don't uh, I don't know why the ownership projection is so low on him. So that was the one thing giving me pause for, for touting him to be perfectly honest. I will, I'll, I'll take up the mantle. Joel Damon, better DraftKings tournament play this week than Michael Thompson. And my personal ownership uh, percentages will reflect that take. Two, two X the field on, on Joel Damon. No, probably like 20 X. <laughs> 20 X field. All right. That's close to a lock button. Um, no, we'll, we'll see where his ownership ends up. Um, I, I think that, between Dom and CT Pan, Knox, I think I, I like Knox the best. Uh, part of what I like is just, just buying into that short, that short, accurate ball strikers narrative so hard. Yeah. Although he, he did have that infamous hole at TPC yeah. Sawgrass. So <laughs> had. But he had, nice I had him up- that week. Yeah. Like he's, he's shown nice upwards trajectory as far as his T green play since the Sunny Open. Uh, kind of improving each event until WGC Mexico, but that was a stronger field and strokes game metrics are not field adjusted unless you get them from our boys at data golf. So um, I like Knox the most out of the the kind of pop semi-popular CT Pan Knox duo at 7,800. Yeah. Um, I guess I should mention Chesson Hadley at this tournament last year was the stone chalk and he was horrible. He was like 14 over or whatever. And he doesn't rate out as a strong value this week, but just purely on the idea that like Hadley has similar chances of making the cut as, you know, whoever, Graham McDowell, uh, Jimmy Walker, whoever it might be. I I could see just being, 
you know, the, the super contrarian bot and playing 10% Chess and Hadley just based off the idea that anyone who played him last year and remembers is probably not playing him this year. Yeah, uh, I, can, I can see that path. The I, I other, don't think he's like a good play, though. Yeah, just a, a little bit overpriced, I would say, more than anything. Um, the, the range, guys I'm kind of most interested in, down in the, the lower 7K range, Dylan Fratelli, Kevin Tway, Sanjay M, Harold Varner, Jason Kokrak. Uh, Kokrak might be getting my like 50% button this week. His numbers are very good this year. His strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained approach, strokes gained around the green. Uh, just not, not the data golf stats, but just the PGA Tour stats. They're all like top 30, top 35. Like he's, been, he's just been good this year. Yeah, so you're, on, you're, you're lock buttoning on JT and Woodland, 50% Kokrak, and, and then just hitting the shuffle button. Maybe, maybe I'll just lock all three. Oh. No, I, I, I'm not lock buttoning JT. I, I, I'm undecided on what to. I might just go, you know, more balanced contrarian or whatever, or, or do like Woodland and Webb. But the only guy I know for sure I'm taking a stance on thus far is Woodland. I'll be over him. And Kokrak, yeah. I know for sure I'll be over whatever the projection on Kokrak is. Kokrak definitely a nice play. I like Sanjay M quite a bit as well as as far as a, a younger web guy who seems like he would fit the course well. Um, and I, I think I prefer them over Kevin Tway, kind of in the seventy three hundred range, and probably prefer them over Dylan Fratelli as well. But I think Fratelli is still a guy who's in consideration for me. Um, I'd, I'd say generally with course fit this week, I'm using it to, to try to break ties. And I do think there are some ties as far as our projections in this range. Um, and so I'll be kind of using subtle bumps there based on, on that process. Are you interested in, uh, Harold Varner? Um, pa- passively, I, I think like what, I don't know, like what's his ownership going to end up at by the end of the week like right now early in the week everyone just kind of touts the uh more expensive plays and the easier names and then eventually eventually ownership has to flood to this range so i don't i don't know i i think he's a secondary consideration for me co-crack and m probably prefer um slightly and then burner so let ownership kind of break that tie I'll have a, I'm going to steal this stat from Mayo just because I thought it was so unbelievable. Ryan Palmer on the bear trap over the course of his career is 43 over. He is 43 strokes over par on those three holes. I think, I think it's something like 20 rounds or whatever, 23 rounds. Yeah. <laughs> just imagine, imagine sweating that guy out and being like, man, I really need this dude to make the cut to get six to six. And he goes to the bear trap at eight over. <laughs> I wonder how many times he's played it. Uh, I, I feel like that those stats can be a little bit misleading, but not enough to make that not an egregious performance. Yeah, no, unreal. I, I won't be playing. I never play Ryan Palmer. I never play Ryan Moore, and uh, I'm sticking to it. Uh, I will definitely have a little bit of Bud Colley. We'll have a little bit of Trey Molinax and Patrick Rogers. Uh, I think a more interesting one, though, is Kyle Stanley, whose game has just cratered, just absolutely <laughs> fallen apart. <laughs> so so what what uh what process of the falling apart game makes it interesting <laughs> well just that he still rates out as a value right now like i'm looking at the projections right now and he still is receiving a a green number yeah yeah the green number it's uh, it's interesting um it's 
the way that we look at value, it's all relative to the slate and the ownership, right? So because JT is such a smash value, it makes the cheaper guys pop as good values. Um, yeah. When if it was like a more balanced build, it, it wouldn't look like that. So, and I think that's the right way to approach value. Stanley, um, I, I've played him a few times and I haven't seen no any interest for me. Encouragement. And not that there's a lot of great options in this range, but um, if Stanley is in my mix and MME, it's going to be like a, a 2%, a 5% play because he hasn't gained strokes on approach yet this season. <laughs> He's Ooh. only gained strokes off the tee once and only gained strokes around the green once and has never gained strokes putting. So it's like you need everything to to fix itself to actually crack a top 20 in a large field GVP and be on a winning roster. And um, it's one thing to hope that his putter turns around or he, he hits It's, it's one thing to hope that every club, like he's got to hope every club turns around. Yeah, he needs it all to turn around. Yeah. I, I actually will be playing Jim Furyk. Jim Furyk has a, a good cut projection from data golf this week. I will be, I will be playing Furyk this week. Yeah. Yep, like overweight. If the, if the field projection is 10%, I'll be two X the field probably. Yeah. That's interesting. Furyk yeah. is like the, such an anti Matic golfer, but I <laughs> like, I'm looking at, I'm looking at guys in this range and I'm looking at guys. I feel confident have a good enough game to, you know, navigate through the field for four days. And Furyk is one of the guys who I look at and I'm like, no, this dude can like T38 at least. Should, should have brought Dink out of podcast retirement for Dink. Dink would be like Furyk 7,000 lock button. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just carrying on in his spirit right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see if you're getting in, in the mix, which is it. I mean, that says a lot about the field. The fact that it wasn't like a, a auto wave off for me. Um, I mean, Furyk has a T37, a T14 in his last two events. And one of those was at Pebble. He played well at Pebble. Yeah. Yeah. Danny Lee might be a guy that I'd be interested in a little bit. Um, I mean, yeah, if you're trying to embrace the variance, that would be a guy to do it with. Nick Watney, Austin Cook, like those are those are kind of the names sub seven K. Um Stuart I, Sink, I, the cut maker. Yeah, so Stuart Sink I think is legitimately a good value in this field. Um and I, I don't want to it doesn't feel like a great play, but I definitely think it's a, a solid play and a guy who's underpriced and I think I'd I'd rather go with Sink than Furyk, and I feel like Sink still has some legitimate upside. Any other cheap guys you wanna you wanna tout right now? Do you wanna do you wanna attach your name to Adam Shank? <laughs> um, Kevin Streelman would be a guy that I would be okay attaching my name to. I think that's kind of the threshold where I'm gonna start to cut off things in this field. Is um, I feel like Streelman's got well, he has like sixty percent odds to make the cut. Could go maybe a little bit worse than Streelman, but I think like that—that's kind of the range where I want to start to cut things off. So Kevin Streelman, I can more comfortably attach my name to than some of the other guys. And then Keith Mitchell, yeah, kill not, Keith. Like, you might not get a cut made, but if you do, he's going to outscore his finishing position from a DraftKings perspective. What about uh, the last the last total punt? I will throw out. Uh, I had him down here. Johnson Wagner. He was in. I believe he was in the playoff in Puerto Rico last weekend. Uh, has a fantastic mustache. That's all I got. He he rates out decently at sixty five hundred. Are we um, 
as like corporate citizens, are we obligated to tout Denny McCarthy? Oh yeah. Denny McCarthy. If you run, if you run the optimizer, you're going to get some Denny McCarthy. Both Drewby and I said before the show, we literally, we didn't have one, we didn't have one insight to give on Denny McCarthy's game. Cause we, we just don't know who he is, but he's, literally, he rates out as a value. Literally don't know anything about him. Yeah. I got nothing to get. And I mean, probably I'll be honest. If you're running uh, a lot of lineups this week, you're probably going to play some guys you've never heard of before. Yeah. Should be a fun one. How did um did you go Bryson and one and done or did you go? Yeah, I'm such a fish. When so I go 100, percent it's not a joke. It's all the way in. <laughs> Your man is so weird. dumb to not have Dustin Johnson at the at a, at the WGC that he wins. Ah, so tilting. What did you do in one and done last week? Um, let me pull, pull, see if I can. Sometimes Gup's corner is hard to find out who you actually picked. <laughs> Um, but I, I know I went with like the Euro angle cause that basically we're done for the segment and we're probably done for the, the event just cause like you have to have some winners by now and, um, we do not have winners. So, um, went with Norin with one of the rosters, he kind of flamed out. I think Norin might've actually been on two of them. And then, uh, with the Molinar entry, we went with Ian Poulter, which actually ended up being a pretty good pick. Yeah, I think he, he fine. cashed like 470 K or something, which, um, for Poulter, I think that's the, almost the best you're going to get out of him. Messing up the WGC when you have a good team in the one-and-done feels so bad. Yeah. There's so much money at stake and so much of your competition is picking up money because the guys who win are always owned. Like, the guys who win a WGC are always owned by 20% of the field or whatever. Yeah, and I mean, especially not just that but like dj rory going one two because it's still more than a million dollars for second place so that was a a pretty important one to get right for the the segment um so i mean you're you're probably done with the segment but you're still you're still kind of live for the the overall prize yeah so that i was thinking about just taking jt this week to try and maybe kind of get back into it a little bit but i think i'm so far back from the segment now like yeah yeah, I went from I went from forty fourth in the segment last week, and then Bryson got me fifty five thousand dollars. So now I'm back at three hundred twenty fifth. Yeah, I mean you can't win. You have like I just looked. You have two point five million. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean you're three million back. You're toast. Ugh. Oh, I don't so think you want. I don't think you want to burn JT. Um, no, I, I definitely don't. I, I'm definitely saving him now. I I'm thinking about maybe Sergio, and I'm trying to see. I don't think I've used Woodland. Yeah, so I'm actually thinking maybe Woodland this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Woodland. So I think Woodland's like – so this, I believe it's the last one of this segment. Um, it, might so, be too, it might be too chalky. He might be a little too chalk to use, though. Yeah, like I think he's too good of a golfer to use for me. I'd rather save a golfer of that quality for some of the, the bigger tournaments. So um, some of those teams – Well, like what, what event would you want to use Woodland at? This is, that's I, always what I think. I mean, I mean, Woodland's like a top 20 golfer in the world. Yeah. So I, no, I, I agree on that. And Woodland's definitely a guy you need to have selected at some point. Like he's clearly in that range, but I don't think he's a guy you'd use at a major, right? Probably, yeah. Probably not a major WGC. Um, so then you're thinking you're probably not going to use him at, would you use him at the players? So the way I'm looking at it is there's three segments left and I want to attack some of those segments and he's definitely 
one of the best golfers left for those specific segments. So sure. um, I need to save kind of like a pool of 25 really high quality golfers for, for that approach. And so I need to go outside of the top 25 of like the, the data golf world golf ranking. So like a Billy Horschel type oh, play man. is the type let's of Let's just go, let's just do Luke List. Let's just get Luke List out of the way now. Uh, yeah. So I'll do Luke List with you. I'll do a Billy Horschel and I'll do uh, Alex Noren if um because like list list can win here. I I I actually firmly believe that Luke List can win this event. Yeah, I mean I don't firmly believe he can win anywhere, but if he, if he could Oh, come on. Come yeah. on. He can win. If if Vaughn Taylor can win a PGA event, you know, if Aaron Long can win a PGA event, Luke List can win a PGA event. Yeah. So if I was in contention in the segment or for the overall thing, I'd start to consider the top of the board with like a JT Sergio or Woodlands. And if you're like me and you're awful at one and done this season, then I think I'm looking to not waste a good golfer. So the Grillo, Norin, Luke List um, range is, is probably where I'll end up. Billy Horschel. Yeah, I, I'm going list, I think. I, I, I reserve the right to change my mind in the next 48 hours, but right now I would think list would be the guy I would be looking at. Unless I want to just get weird, like just get real weird and take Scott Piercy or something. Yeah. So are you, you're I, doing... believe, I believe that this event is like uh, the, you know, the winner's wall or whatever. There's not a ton of super prestige names on it. So I think maybe this could just be, this could give us a weird winner, sort of like, uh, sort of like Pebble. Are, are you doing the FanDuel Hurry Up show today? Yep. Are you going to tout Denny McCarthy to win at 250 to 1? No, but I am touting Harold Varner at a course with 16 <laughs> uh, water hazards. Yeah. At the outright markets, um, nothing. It's so bad. It's nothing so jumped bad. out is, is very exciting to bet. Um, I got I, one. So Woodland, I'm waiting for the T20s to come out. Yeah. I actually think uh, this is, and theoretically, I think it's a week where it would be good to bet t20s because um the i mean the books aren't gonna have an easy time pricing some of these guys too so there could be some guys that that pop um they get weird numbers yeah yeah so waiting for those t20s to be out but i'm, I'm not gonna tout any outrights on today's show i will be touting gary woodland at 20 to 1 that's the that's the i think that's the only bet i i will make he's got a good he's got a good number whatever and yeah. it gives me you know yeah, yeah that's I, true that's a good. Can you good imagine? Price. Can you imagine going through a weekend of golf and like not being invested in who wins the tournament? Uh, no, couldn't I, be. well, couldn't be. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't watch a weekend of golf without being invested. I would watch the majors without being invested, but that's about it. And why would I not be invested for the majors? So, yeah, I don't know. I got nothing else. Uh, make sure you guys check out the PGA Sweat promotion that we have going on. If you are a subscriber, you're involved automatically. But if you want to hop in the Slack channel and join our listener league in there. We'll throw on a guaranteed entrance into the sweat pool to whoever takes that down this week. Um, and then if you're not a subscriber, you can get involved by either getting in the drawing, rate, review our podcast, predict the master's winner, leave your Twitter handle or your daily rotor username within the rating and review, um, or tweet your favorite DFS value play at daily roto and use the hashtag DR sweat. We'll be promoting this for the next six weeks, having a lot of different ways to get engaged and, should be a really fun way um, for anybody who gets involved in the promotion. We'll kind of be able to talk through the strategy of putting together a 150 max team, how to do it in the optimizer, some of the big fades and stances that we take. And obviously we'll be sweating that throughout master's weekend. 
There we go. That'll do it for us here at Daily Roto going for the green. Make sure to uh, to enter the sweat. I'm not allowed to, so you guys better get in on that equity.